as always, the entire episode are just our thoughts, um, no investment advice. We're just giving out ideas that we have in our minds for entertainment only, right? Don't buy anything. Don't lose money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, uh, neither Chris or I can afford a lawsuit right now. So <laughs> we'll be good. We'll be good too, you know. <laughs> Maybe if Bitcoin makes it, we can afford a lawsuit, right? <laughs> yeah, what, with, with 0 0.03 Bitcoins? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Investing 404, the podcast by amateur investors for amateur investors. I'm Gav and I'm Chris here with me. We've both been investing for over a year and we'd like to give an insight on how we analyze companies for investment. This is the part in the week where we start with a portfolio update. So we look at how bad or how well we've done over the past week. Uh, we look at the news. A couple of things have happened, especially the Nasdaq tech crash. Look at the learnings, which is the NFTs. If you haven't heard of NFTs, then uh, this is one to listen to. It might change the way we see art and purchasing non-existing things. And then, as always, look at a potential tempagger. If you want to jump to a specific point, look in the description for the timestamps. Also, if you think Goff sounds a bit weird, uh, it's because he has a cold. So Yeah, I went for a walk in the rain. Turns out my body's still weak. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, always yeah. a good idea. Always a good idea. Uh, right, big movements. Chris, uh, what's been big for your week? Uh, it start, um, well, it started off pretty badly, right? <laughs> I think the NASDAQ crashed. Uh, ETFs are pretty rock solid, surprisingly, uh, but the NASDAQ crashed. And with that, all the momentum tech stocks. But it's recovered quite a bit yesterday. That's Tuesday. So um, I think most stocks are now coming out even. There's a couple that are still 5 to 10% down, but nothing drastic but i know you've done some um pretty spectacular moves at golf how's your week been pretty good week um so i mean last time on the call i mentioned how i was going to get into a couple stocks um uh, now some of my smaller investment ideas i haven't gone into yet but the two i fully invested in um on monday this week uh one was uh tesla because tesla i think I'd seen a big crash from its highs and I'd seen Bitcoin really rebound really strong. And Tesla's obviously invested heavily in Bitcoin. So I was expecting a rebound here in the short term, at least. Uh, now, I'm still a bit worried about medium term with all the crashes still impending in my in my head. Um, but I felt like there was just this is bound to be a a, a pullback. Right. And. So I got into Tesla. Tesla's up about uh, 13%, which is good. I mean, Tesla on its own is up a lot more, but obviously I got in a slightly higher point um, than its lowest point. So, yeah, re really strong there from Tesla. Up 20%, no? Yeah, Tesla's a whole is up like 20%, which is absolutely wild, right? I mean, In a day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's done really well. Um the the other one the other one I've got into is um, Nvidia on Monday, um, so I got into Nvidia on Monday, uh, much smaller position than I did, took in Tesla, but um, I'm up about seven percent on that uh, since Monday. So uh, yeah, two really good 
short-term trades i think uh, i'm probably strong buys yeah i'm probably i'm probably not going to hold on to these for too long but uh, just because i'm still worried about the longer term move uh, um, um but those are the two big movements the other one uh, the two new big additions the other one that i again topped up was my clean energy etf so the clean energy etf has been down 21 percent this month um and i feel like I, I still feel like it's like the most uh, it's got the biggest potential for the year so um yeah i've topped up that quite significantly so yeah that that's been my big moves of the week um obviously in terms of crypto bitcoins rebounded again from its lows of 46k to up to 55k um so yeah bitcoin's back up so that's meant the crypto portfolio is also quite happy because when bitcoin goes up everything else seems to go up so. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah you reminded me of um i actually topped up a couple of the stocks that i had on my kind of savings list so i pulled forward whatever i was going to put into them like um etsy one of my new favorites uh trade desk and square that all had way too much of a crash i think down 30 percent for most of these uh and and i didn't think that was reasonable salesforce as well and then as you say clean energy and the gaming etf they all came down nicely so all, all made sense to top up a little bit again another 10 percent um unlike Goff, who does uh, amazing short-term trades <laughs> no but i feel i feel like this is a, this is what we were why well, i say we but um we were all kind of expecting right we were expecting this like correction uh we just had slightly different like approaches to how to deal with it so yeah i'm, I'm definitely also going to be in some of this especially salesforce i feel like salesforce is just very undervalued um but again let's see how the future what the future holds <laughs> Uh, and it, it'll be tough. I had a I had an interesting statistic that the earnings grow, growth for the average company in the S and P five hundred will be twenty five percent this year. And you can imagine because of last year, now all these companies are coming back up. Travel, uh, uh, energy, most of these tech stocks are going to be on average, like Microsoft, expected to grow by fifteen percent. So already way less than the market average. So it'll be an interesting year for tech. That's for sure. Right, Chris, the news. Uh, what have you seen this week? What, what's the big news stories you want to slam the audience with? <laughs> <laughs> slam. Um, yeah, let's talk quickly about the IPOs that are coming up this year. And there's there's two interesting ones that have caught my eye from the UK and are even going to be listed. And the IPO is going to be in the UK. So that's quite interesting. Number one was Deliveroo. Um, and Deliveroo, I mean, who, who doesn't know Deliveroo nowadays? But if you don't know, it's the same as Uber Eats. Um, but they have, as far as I know, they've been in the market first, especially in the UK. You, just, you can just order from any restaurant and get your food delivered. Very interesting. Let's see what the valuation is like because it's very likely to go into the stock market like DoorDash that just um, exploded in value, I think, 100% up on the first day. But the other interesting one was also Trustpilot. Um, and Trustpilot is all these company reviews you see. All, all these websites and things you don't know, you can go and trust Pilot and check what other people think of that company. Super interesting with like, you know, Amazon reviews not being that 
that uh, reliable, right? I mean, we've seen lots of sort of fake Amazon reviews and so yeah. on where companies just put out a product and then pay some other company to give 4,000 five-star reviews and suddenly everyone feels like, oh, this is a very valuable, reliable product, right? Um, so, yeah, Trustpilot, I think there are a couple competitors in that space, but Trustpilot is definitely the biggest. Uh, you, you've had an IPO coming up as well, right? Yeah, it, like we've been mentioning in the last couple of weeks, uh, it's IPO frenzy, right? It's just like every company that seems to be having some sort of interest is trying to cash in right now. Uh, and the one I had is um, Coursera. So if, if any of you've done any sort of online education, I think the the, the whole uh, sector is called uh, MOOC or Moose, <laughs> uh, Massive Open Online Courses. <laughs> Uh, but Coursera is like one of the biggest providers. I think it's between Coursera and uh, Udemy. Uh, but Coursera has over 4,000 courses, 200 plus schools, 77 million re uh, registered users and has had around a 60% revenue jump. Uh, I mean, again, this is just a rough number because obviously we don't know the actual figures, right? Um, but yeah, looking to go public, um, which is super interesting. Um, given the space and given education being a big, big, big uh, change for the future, right? I feel like that's going to still be the biggest disrupted uh, industry in the future. So, yeah, definitely interesting to see that um, the market for online degrees is expected to reach 74 billion in five years. Uh, and 2030, it could reach a global education market could be in, in the apparently in the trillion so yeah just incredible scope um and you can see also the big universities right chris i mean uh in the uk you've got from lse to imperial doing online courses harvard does this edx stuff and yeah it's just incredible how some of these like universities are trying to get this extra revenue stream by just offering courses short short courses for for professionals uh, and charging exorbitant rates because they know companies tend to pay for this so they can charge really high rates, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorite 10 baggers uh, 2U, and I think we mentioned it in episode 20 or so, um, they do a similar thing where they offer courses from universities and that whole online learning platform. Really interesting market. Um, we'll see what kind of valuation it comes out with. Um, I have an interesting stat. Most IPOs... Uh, so 60% have negative returns after five years. So if you invest on day one or the first week after five years, for most of them, you'll have negative returns. And I think it's even more exaggerated now because all IPOs are valued even higher than what they probably should be compared to the historical average. So probably most IPOs you invest in right now are quite the risky investment for the next five years. After five years, of course, the time horizon changes and the companies really show their potential. But um, probably worth staying careful about uh, which IPOs you invest in. Yeah, if you're interested in what IPOs are and like how banks always make money on IPOs and so on, go check out our uh, IPO learning segment from a few weeks ago. Just we go into that in a bit more depth. Uh, the, the next uh, news story that I wanted to get into was uh, your favorite one, Chris, your, your big company. Uh, Square, uh, Square, Boom. Square's just spent three hundred million on uh, Tidal, which is 
Jay Z's was a streaming service, right? Um, yeah. For a music streaming service, and it's meant to give like power back to the creators or whatever, whatever marketing spiel they want to put on it. But um, three hundred million for Tidal. What do you think? Completely different direction, right? For a payments sort of company. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned. I don't see the full picture yet. Like them investing in Bitcoin made a lot of sense. Them inventing this cash app made a lot of sense. Um, now Tidal doesn't seem to fit in as far as I can see it. Maybe they want to go down the route of you pay £10 a month and you get this bank account plus music streaming plus something else. And if they're trying to do that, then that's probably a good way to go. But uh, I, I don't see it right now. Yeah, it's very strange, especially because this week PayPal announced um, acquiring an Israeli crypto security a company called uh, Curve, I think. Uh, this is a crypto startup in Tel Aviv. Uh, if you don't know, Israel's hot spot for all of these like security type companies. And yeah, so it's really interesting that PayPal's acquiring that type of company for an estimated say 200 or 300 million. I, I don't think it's fully disclosed right now. Uh, and the other side, you've got uh, <laughs> the same amount of money Square's putting up across the title. So very interesting. Agreed. One more from my side, I guess, uh, this whole NASDAQ crash and the treasury yields, um, and it keeps coming up, so I thought it's worth having a quick uh, talk about that one. And the treasury yields going up pretty much means people expect higher inflation in the, in the future. And because of that higher inflation, some of the future cash flow that these momentum stocks have or some of these future predictions of growth will be worth less in about five to 10 years if inflation goes up. And that's pretty much why you've seen that tech crash and only those certain stocks being affected. And the big thing is that people now expect the Fed, once inflation goes up, to eventually rea react and raise interest rates, which would make stocks uh, you know, less favorable compared to other things. But I think it's unlikely. Number one, I don't think inflation will go up a huge amount. And number two, the Fed, even back in the summer, last summer, they said, they will let inflation run above their target for a little time. Um, so they're not going to do just jump inflate their interest rates uh, right now. I think all of that is very unlikely. I've got a couple of last, last few things. Uh, I mean, just short snippets. I feel like it's just important to know. One, uh, Amazon Amazon's acquired a majority stake in an air cargo contractor for about $130 million. Uh, just essentially expanding its... Uh, distribution networks right making sure it's it, this is what we like about amazon right they always like invest see always seem to be investing into the future and like understanding they've done a whole bunch of work on you know the really cool clever stuff that gets reported everywhere which is from the drones to the uh, cloud technology or whatever but they're also dedicating significant resources into like stuff like amazon air right prime air i think it's called it's dedicated services got i think there's, they're also opening up a $1.5 billion air hub in Kentucky. So it's just important to know they're also doing that element. Uh, and the other small quick bit news uh, is that Google Google announced that it will stop selling ads based on cookies, which could be really interesting. Uh, I mean, that's a huge element of how they make uh money right uh with the search but they've clearly found other ways through like privacy sandboxes and using machine learning in other areas to try and get uh 
the same tracking capability, well, not the same tracking capability, but the same sort of benefit. Uh, but it's just really interesting that, you know, it's something that is really big in Europe, right? Like, because uh, with the new data privacy laws and accepting what cookies you want to accept, and Google's saying that it's going to stop tracking uh, you for ads, which is, yeah, I, I feel like very, very, very interesting. That surprised me. Probably the most surprising news uh, of this week that Google was actually by themselves going down that route rather than being forced to by some sort of legislation. The only other quick thing I had, I guess the um, stimulus package in the US is, was approved by the Senate and is going to the House, I think, today or tomorrow. And it'll probably mean sooner rather than later people will get their um, stimulus checks in the US. Which in turn, if you haven't listened to the last weekly 404, uh, should mean that 40 to 50% out of all that money is expected to go in either Bitcoin or stocks. Because a lot of people are getting these checks that don't need them as desperately. So a lot of young people are getting these checks that think, you know what, I really like Tesla. So I'll put my stimulus check right into Tesla. Um, so yeah, might be some more market volatility. <laughs> Uh, hey, I mean, if you're going to do that, might as well do a Dogecoin. Uh, Mark Cuban's gone out trying to market manipulate because you don't get screwed over on, on uh, crypto market manipulation. And he's just gone out saying, oh, yeah, Dogecoin, best thing in the world. No way. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, like uh, it's his his. Uh, he predicted a $1 reach for Dogecoin, which is like insane. Uh, for I mean, it's insane in today's world because that would be an incredible rise. And he, and apparently, the NBA team, the uh, uh, Dallas Mavs, uh, is apparently the largest Dogecoin merchant in the world right no now. No way! Because he's invested so much money into it. He's invested so much money. Into That's it. such a joke. So uh, yeah, if <laughs> if that goes up, I mean, uh, he's already a billionaire, but. Yeah, he's going to get into big-time money, I think. <laughs> Did you uh, end up going into uh, Dogecoin as a joke, like 100 quid? No, because it's not on all my... on any of the regular crypto providers that I use. Like, that I use. Yeah, I have the same issue. Well, let's get to the learning segment. Uh, this one is... I think big. This is one of the most recent developments in the whole crypto or kind of new tech scene and um, and how people could purchase them with the help of Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies. So Goff, what's an NFT? What do people need to know? Yeah, I mean, the hype's been insane. Absolutely insane. I think a couple of weeks ago, one of our friends sent us something on uh, NFTs and I didn't really, like I'd heard of it, but I hadn't really gone into it or whatever and researched it at all and then you just see it everywhere from all my social <laughs> media to my news to it's absolutely every youtube video yeah. Uh, yeah exactly so uh dan i don't know how you found the hype before it became real but congrats uh so nfts what are they uh nfts are, are non-fungible tokens uh, that sounds super complicated, and because probably it, because it kind of is complicated, but as a concept, it's not right. I mean, there's lots of nuances here, but I'll, we'll just give you a high-level concept. Um, so essentially, it's like a, a unique, like truly unique and one-of-a-kind identifier of a digital asset, right? So 
because it's a unique version, it's scarce by design. And so it cannot be replicated. It cannot be like exchanged for other NFTs and so on. The assets are like developed by the blockchain. So it's sitting on the blockchain technology. And so the ownership is like trustworthy, trackable, all of those uh, uh, blockchain uh, things that we love, right? Uh, <laughs> now, essentially that means, I mean, let me give you an example if that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, you essentially have four categories, right? You, you could have, if you think of it like a little quadrant, you've got physical goods and you've got digital goods. And then fungible goods would be goods that you could like trade, like cash would be a physical one and you can break it up, right? I could give Chris a $10 bill and he could give me back two $5 bills and we're all happy. And a digital breakdown of that will be Bitcoin. And if any of you have invested in Bitcoin, you know that you don't own a whole Bitcoin dollar. You just own like part of a Bitcoin. I mean, if one of you d does own a lot of Bitcoin, uh, congrats. But, <laughs> They're not listening uh, to us then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the point is, is there's enough. Uh, it, it's tradable and I can give you the Bitcoin and it's worth whatever the Bitcoin is worth, right? Uh, Non-fungible tends to be items that, again, the physical elements will be like a piece of art, right? And then uh, as an example, or like you picture like a Hot Wheels car, right? In the physical world, you go out and buy like a Hot Wheels like collectible from a store or from eBay and you pay cash for it. You don't pay another Hot Wheels element for it. It's like you pay an element that is, uh, a, especially for like a rare one or like the Mona Lisa as an example, right? That Stuff like that would be non-fungible but physical and a digital version of that would be an NFT. So because of this like ownership element, it's again very like heavily debated right now on like the the uh, potential output of these but the idea is you'll own you'll digitally own a, a non-fungible item right so uh that could, <laughs> i don't know how to say this seriously that could be um jack dorsey's first tweet or lebron james like latest dunk or have you seen the the neon cat video on youtube yeah. where just goes yeah, yeah, yeah. uh right uh, i mean all of these have been selling i mean the that video that cat video is around six hundred thousand dollars it sold for uh the first jack dorsey's tweet is i think two and a half million for his first ever tweet insane and uh Yes, absolutely incredible. And and what does that mean, right? Because uh, everyone's still able to go on YouTube and watch that video. Uh, so it's not it's not stopping people like you and me getting the pleasure from that video or the the unpleasant noises uh, living your, <laughs> into your life. But it's just the fact that the actual ownership will then now be moved to you. So you feel like you own Jack Dorsey's first tweet. Right. So it's it's unclear how these things will become uh, ever profitable for the collector. But it's it makes sense as like a status symbol thing. It makes a lot of sense as like collectible item thing because you're, you're really giving that ownership element to the right person. Yeah. And it just imagine, right, the idea for some billionaire to say that I own the, the Mona Lisa or whatever. Right. I mean, the equivalent of that, which is. Uh, Jack Dorsey's you know, first tweet. You want it to be, but yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. <laughs>
Yeah, I think you nailed it at the end. These NFTs are essentially just art or bragging rights or, you know, collectibles, uh, as we say, because who would buy Jack Dorsey's first tweet, right? It has, it has no value. Like, like it's worse and it's even funnier because it's two levels. First, you transfer your money into something that's virtual, like Ethereum. And then with something that's virtual and technically doesn't have any value, you buy something that also doesn't have any value. <laughs> you have two levels of digitalness in there. Um, but I think uh, the potential is a little bit underrated. I do see, especially with us getting, going more digital and maybe you have a picture frame that's just digital and it actually has a proof of purchase that you purchased, I don't know, the football in FIFA, the the, the computer game, or you yeah. bought the sword of some Zelda dragon or whatever um so i i think especially in certain communities like pokemon cards right back in the day for us you'd have like a pokemon card that's worth a couple of hundred quid um i i do see the market for it i i don't uh, i'm and 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 the good thing is it's always traceable on the blockchain right there's always a record exactly who has it you can't just steal it who is bought it for what at what point that's always there in the records so um yeah interesting yeah i i i guess it's important to also say i mean i'm calling out these like high value investors but the reality is like everyone's in the space uh from big brands i think in 2019 back in 2019 big brands like you know the formula one and nike entered the space in 2020 i think the market tripled in size into like 250 million plus and then in 2021 we've seen around 400 million of sales literally just in february alone i think right i think nba top shot had 250 million dollars worth of sales um so and 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 the, the collectible items is i mean if you could be street fighter even street fighters had like one and a half million right so uh, and and the transaction amounts is like we're going into the millions of transactions right so people like you and me could definitely be buying nfts and trading them uh, if we knew what we were looking for, if, if you knew what you were uh, uh, interested in, what you think would be a collectible item in the future, then you could get in, right? It's just really interesting because this is the big boom. This is what the big uh, hype element. And I feel like it's only going to get bigger for the next uh, five to 10 years. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with you over the long term. For like the short term, I see this original hype and we see it sometimes of other areas, and my time bag is related to this, where you see an initial hype of something like solar or 3D printing or Bitcoin or NFTs, this initial spike where it's super expensive and then afterwards it'll go down and people kind of forget about it because something else that's really hype comes up. Um, so I, I see this potentially dying up a bit in the next two to three years, but then coming back in a big way once we are more digitalized, once we are able to have VR glasses or, you know, w once these NFTs can maybe be used in some some way on, on a profile on Facebook or, you know, some sort of usable way, um, then it could be really interesting. I, I guess it's super risky because, again, you're buying something and you just have to hope that someone else sees value in it. And now for our final segment, Chris. Uh, uh, this is, again, uh, uh, 10 baggers. 10 baggers, if you don't know, if you're new here, uh, stocks that could explode and make 10 times your money or just explode and crash and burn 
so high risk, potentially high reward. Um, and Chris is our master 10 baggers researcher. So what have you got for us, Chris? Yeah, uh, this week I've got a uh, GameStop. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, GameStop massive rise. I I love how we didn't even cover GameStop, but it's on its it's on round two. It's on round two. It's on its comeback. <laughs> no, uh, jokes aside. Uh, this time uh, it's about 3D printing, and it's similar to what I've just mentioned about NFTs. 3D printing in 2012 was massive it was going to be the next big thing and everyone thought 3d printing would completely replace any other manufacturing process we know um, guess what all these stocks rose a thousand percent and more only then a couple of months later to crash back down because guess what the growth wasn't there no companies were adopting it it was kind of bad and i have to say i'm not sure which of these three stocks is going to make it but to be honest, I own a little bit in each of them. So X1 is a good one, Stratasys and 3D Systems. All of them produce printers for commercial use. They can manufacture the parts and they will work in different areas to produce these parts. Why is 3D printing the, the future? Well, number one, it, it eliminates any sort of problems we had producing really, really complex parts uh, because each one would have to be phrase down from one piece of metal and then glue together or, or do any other way for it to hold together. But now we could just have an AI and program that AI to learn what is the most stable way to produce this really lightweight material. And boom, the 3D printing could just do that in metal, plastic, carbon, whatever it needs to be, to be coming out exactly as per design. And that's 100% exact rather than a human error or any other processing error. Number one, you can pretty much 3D print all day and night. Uh, you might need a couple of people looking after the machines, make sure they don't break. But right, 3D printing doesn't have any limits like we have, like Christmas or any of that, because it could just work throughout. Number two, the supply chains will completely shorten. Rather than sending out a request to China or, let's say, uh, Thailand to produce a certain part and then send that back, um, and you'll have to wait a week or two. This can just be done, let's say, in the future, in a separate room. You walk in, and the 3D printer can just produce that part. And that's being done in a lot of companies, but as just the design right now, as like the prototyping. They use 3D printers, but that could drastically change. And a couple of applications, uh, healthcare, for example, um, what kind of what kind of implant a person needs could be way more personalized. So not everyone's needs the same, different sizes, different different muscular structures around it. So you could 3D print the exact implant as you need it. And hearing aids is a great example because the entire industry has now shifted to 3D printers, as far as my research is showing. Um, and they had to do that because one of the biggest producers went and 3D printed these hearing aids. And then the rest of the competition had to adapt. They had to also do the same. Otherwise, they were no, no longer cost-effective and they couldn't match the production times. And I feel like a lot of other industries would move that way as soon as a big competitor in the space does it. And I think we had it in our 2021 outlook. If Tesla or Apple started producing their laptops with 3D print or started doing something big, other players in the market would have to follow. It's a bit like Tesla investing in Bitcoin and now other companies will be following. It's kind of the same with 3D printing, I feel. 
And let's face it, the corona shutdown has brought about even more issues with the global supply chains. Um, and it has shown that if you need really critical parts or critical uh, items, uh, 3D printing is probably the future of being able to do that in your city, uh, in the same factory. So, yeah, uh, really interesting. And even, I think, in the US, they've now printed the first couple of homes as, like, show homes. And they were produced for, I don't know, 300 thousand dollars and done in a couple of weeks rather than months right um yeah Goff, what is your what's your take on 3d printing on the show homes uh i've uh there's some cracking videos of people building these houses in like a day uh which would have taken months to do so really interesting if you want to have a look youtube youtube it's amazing just mind-blowing that was in, um, uh, that was in africa wasn't it uh, I'm just trying to remember where that was because I, I tried to think of that example. There, there, yeah, there's some in the there's some there's literally everywhere because you, you got some in the UK and some in the US that I've seen. Uh, but I, I, I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't be why you couldn't have one in Africa. So um, yeah, yeah. In in terms of in terms of my thoughts on 3D printing, I think it's uh, and we went into this in a lot of depth in you know your 2020. Uh, 2021 uh, uh, areas of growth. Uh, I feel like it's a super. It's got it's a it's got a lot of potential, right? I feel like it's definitely got a lot of potential, but I feel like the technology just isn't accessible enough today. Um, so I feel like it's a huge market long term. Um, I just I just feel like until you can get an element where you could maybe for like one or two K buy a 3d printer that would then print everything or all the basic items that you could do yourself or your like local off license could 3d print something or it, uh, unless it was, unless it became like that level of accessibility, uh, just like a standard printer is uh, with the barriers of entry and so on. Uh, I feel like it's going to be slow, but I feel like that's a, it's a huge element uh, it's it's got a huge it's got so much potential like you said chris because it it can impact so many different industries and so many different like ways of being right so um yeah that yeah no i i totally agree and i think it has to come from the commercial front first so all these companies and it's interesting because right now the 3d printing market is about 10 billion and that's only prototyping or doing smaller applications but arc invest for example they imagine this market in five to 10 years to rise to 100 billion. So tenfold the market. So I'll tell you what, I'm really bullish on it. And I think this is the future, um, the same way AI is and the same way we have other technological advances. I think 3D printing is something companies won't be able to go around. So again, I'm not sure which company. If you find a good ETF on 3D printing, go for that. Um, again, X1, Strata System and 3D Systems are my favorites right now uh so yeah we'll see um not not the easiest market to invest in gotta be honest uh, and just just a quick reminder these are just ideas for your entertainment we are not professionals and uh, we're not giving out investment advice it's just entertainment and with that that runs up today's episode um uh, stay tuned for our next episode we've got another surprise coming up a very different uh to our usual sort of tech heavy company so be interested if you guys are ready to uh munch on that type of news uh <laughs> and 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, make sure you share this episode uh, and give us the feedback. We've had some uh, very uh, positive feedback on the last couple of episodes, so we'll be taking that in uh, when we look at the next big company breakdown. Okay, because it sounds just like you said it's investment advice. Oh, sorry. Uh, Hang on. Let me let me be very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I said not, but maybe I had a brain fart. Um. <laughs>